Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's going to change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's going to touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Exodus 1, Exodus 1, Exodus 1 and Ephesians 1. for me, how you loose my shackles and you set me free, how you made a way out of no way and you turned my darkness into day, you're giving me hope in the time of sorrow, joy for my tomorrow, peace in the time of storm, strength when I'm, come on, I can never repay you, Lord, for what you've done for me, how you made a way. Oh, yes, you did. Say you've been, tell him you've been so faithful. How many know he's been faithful? Exodus chapter one, Ephesians chapter one. For 30 minutes, I'm going to preach. I just bound myself up. I better forgive myself ahead of time. 30 minutes, I'm gonna preach on this thought God gave me this week for you. I wanna preach about the enemy of ignorance. How many know ignorance is an enemy? Oh God. Exodus 1, Exodus 1 verse one, when you got it, say word. Now these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man in his household came with Jacob. Namely, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. That sounds like the Wallace family almost there. <laughs> All those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died and all of his brothers and all that generation, but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Look at verse eight. Now there was a new king who arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us go deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join with our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. The devil was nervous about the people of God. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse number 15. Therefore, this is Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making a mention of you in my prayers. And here's what he prayed. I preach this to you at least once a year. It's, I think, the most important prayer Paul prayed for the church found in the entire Bible. He said, I pray for you that the eyes of your understanding 
that, that God may, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you to, to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, my God, far above all principalities and power, might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age that is to come. And he put all things under, Lord, he's not supposed to be under, come on, the devil's not supposed to be in your mind, he's supposed to be under your feet. Say amen, church. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, the enemy of ignorance. Help me, God, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. When new converts get saved or people who have been walking with Jesus but are attempting to go deeper, I often get questioned as the pastor. People will come to me and say, what do you recommend that I tell my my newly saved son or daughter, uh, what do I tell them? What, what should I tell them to read from the Bible? They want to know what to read so that, you know, they can get this foundation of understanding. And I, I told Cleveland this morning, and I'll tell you, I always tell them to read the Gospel of St. John to find out about the intimacy and the love and the heart of Jesus. But I also tell them to read the book of Ephesians because the book of Ephesians is such a fantastic book in the Bible that really deals with, deals with all of the issues of life. It deals with parenting, it deals with marriage, it deals with prayer, but the centerpiece of the, of the book of Ephesians is about identity. Everybody say identity. If you want to be reminded of who you are in Christ, you, if you ever have a bad Monday and forget about how blessed you are, you need to take a time out and go read Ephesians chapter one. The first 14 verses of the of the first chapter of Ephesians will set every part of you free. It tells you you're blessed. It tells you you're adopted. It tells you you're chosen. It tells you you're loved. And it tells you you're predestined. It don't get no better than that. If you think that you're forgotten, you can't be forgotten because God adopted you. If you think you're unloved, you can't be unloved because you've been accepted into the beloved. If you think you don't have a future, you have to have a future because he predestined those whom he called and he decided already what our future looks like. Somebody say amen. Uh -huh. And there's this whole thing in the book of Ephesians about identity, both who Christ is and who we are in Christ. I said this already, I want to say this to you, that there are people who, and they try to sound real spiritual when they say it, and they try to sound, you know, real ultra humble, but it really is not biblical. People say things like, it don't matter who you are, it matters who Jesus is. That is a true statement, it matters who Jesus is. But Jesus came and gave his life for people, and they mean something to God. And if they mean something to God, stop acting like their life is unnecessary to you. It matters that you're born again, that you're saved, that you're a child of God. God, don't let anyone ever disrespect you, dishonor you, or tell you that you're not important. If you were not important, Jesus wouldn't have left heaven, came through the virgin womb to die on the earth. You are significant, you are important, and your identity is not in your old man, your identity is in your new man, and we celebrate the work of God that's going on in every person in whom he's working in this room. So don't walk around saying, well, it doesn't matter who you are. It does matter who you are. You are a somebody. 
You are a somebody. And when people start saying, you know, super spiritual stuff, it doesn't matter how many people are in your church. It doesn't matter except that every person is, every number is a person. Every number is a person. And I'd rather more people be in my church than in the world lost, dying, and going to hell. What's wrong with people? We need to be excited when the church is full and we need to pray when it's empty so that God fills it because if they're in here, it means they're not lost and on their way to hell. So, so there's this whole issue of identity in the book of Ephesians and the first 14 verses of the first chapter of Ephesians is dedicated to a thought, theological submersion into an identity that we are called to have. Paul spends an ample amount of time in the book of Ephesians, uh, primarily the first three chapters, reminding us of who we are in Christ. He wants us to know there has been this glorification almost in the theological world of tension. I'm not saying the Bible doesn't have places of tension, but it's almost as if people want you to leave the Bible with more questions than you have answers. This makes me, it drives me absolutely insane to see theological treatment of texts where people leave the text with more questions than they have answers. The Bible was not meant to confuse you. It was not meant to distract you. It was not meant to get you to walk off court. The Bible is the truth of God. It is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Where it can be read literally, it should be, and you don't need some theologian to come along and mess that up for you. If the Bible says the wages of sin is death, then we don't have to have a talk about that. Don't sin and run to Jesus. Give him your heart and you won't die. If the Bible says that marriage is between man and a woman, you can sit down and pontificate all you want to, add to it all you want to, but at the end of the day, there are not 19 pronouns, there are two. He and she, male and female, created in the image of God. And all of this tension that we love is really an invitation for us to question what doesn't need to be questioned. He wants us to know some things. Jesus did not just die spiritually, he died naturally. He wasn't just in a coma, he died. The breath left his body. Three days later, the Holy Ghost invaded the three-day dead body of the Prince of God and raised him from the dead. That is the gospel. He was not just another man, he was a sinless. I'm giving you doctrine this morning because the Bible wants you to know Jesus is not like Buddha. He is not like Allah. He is not like Hare Krishna. He is not another God that has eyes that cannot see and ears but cannot hear. He is the son of the living God. He died and rose from the dead and he's coming again. There's never been anyone like him and there never will be another. Jesus is one of a kind. So I'm not here to confuse you. There are places in the text that are, that can have tension. I get that, but some of this is non-negotiables. So quit negotiating. Well, I'm evolving. I'm not. There's only one way to God. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to please the Father. It is through accepting the sacrifice of his son. And Paul, Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. After giving them 14 verses of theology, he prays a six-verse prayer. And he prays for a spirit of, I'm gonna pray this over you before we leave today. He prays a, a prayer, watch, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon the people of God. This is interesting because there's been a theological 
talk about this verse, uh, uh, somewhat of an argument, I suppose. Is he talking about my spirit or the Holy Spirit? When it says a spirit of wisdom and revelation, who is he talking about? Is he talking about me getting a spirit of wisdom and revelation or is he talking about the Holy Spirit of God giving us a spirit of wisdom and revelation? Well, I think he's talking about both, as do a lot of theologians. I believe he's saying that the Holy Spirit, because the first original manuscript, the word pneuma in the Greek is actually written in all capital letters, which seems to indicate he's talking about the Holy Spirit being the one who grants to the believer a spirit of wisdom and revelation. But hear me, if the Holy Spirit is the one giving it, which I believe he is, you are the spirit receiving it. Your body is, listen, I gotta teach this. Your body is not the mechanism by which you get in touch with God. Well, I thought I've worshiped God with my, no, listen, your body and my body are at times an enemy to my encounter with God. Have you ever come to church? I'm gonna prove it to you. Have you ever come to church on Sunday and your mind and your body were telling you you were tired? You had a bad week, somebody talked about you, somebody hurt your feelings, you got a pink slip, bills didn't get paid, you got a bad report and your body was saying, don't praise. Your mind was saying, get somewhere else, get to the golf course, get to, you don't have to be here. You don't want, that's what your body was telling you. But your spirit said, hold on and hang out. God is up to something and we're gonna hold on to see what the end will be. Listen to me, you have gotta make sure your flesh doesn't be, it's not the driver of your life. You don't want your body to be the mechanism by which you approach God. You have a body, but you are a spirit. And according to 1 Corinthians 10, you don't get spiritual things through the natural man. You don't get spiritual things through the natural man. You get spiritual things communicated to you in your spirit which is why we encourage people to praise God and sometimes we do it even when we don't feel like it because our flesh, flesh says shut it down and our spirit says go for it. There's something on the other side of every sacrifice of praise that after you give the sacrifice of praise, you are glad you gave it in spite of what your body was telling you. Your spirit knew that on the other side of this hallelujah is a breakthrough for me and my family and I'm not gonna let my flesh get, have its way. So, so he says, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest on you. I pray for the Holy Spirit to give your spirit wisdom and revelation. Now watch how he builds this. He said, I pray for God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I don't have time to do this justice, but let me help you understand something. You don't want wisdom and revelation that is not according to the knowledge of him. This is where people get caught up in all kind of craziness. Third eye. I'm not gonna do this. I, I, yeah, I make enemies when I start doing this. Some people love me until they know how I feel and they don't love me no more. So let me just, you gotta be careful what you get revelation from. If it's not according to the knowledge of Jesus, shut it down. Well, you know, they told me if I rubbed on this rock, I would get, no, you don't need to rub on a rock, read a crystal. You don't need to read a tarot card. You need to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Keep yourself in Jesus. Stay in Christ. The revelation you have of God should be in, not in keeping with the knowledge of who Jesus is. Now watch this. He says, now watch the building blocks. Chad, I'm gonna ask you to put the verse on the screen. He says, I pray for God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that, next verse, next verse. Okay, I'm gonna wait on them to get the verse, thank you. So that, watch this, the eyes of your understanding, 
may be enlightened. Everyone in this room has a spiritual eye. Everybody lay hands on your natural eyes. Come on, okay? That is not the eyes he's talking about here. When Paul says that the eyes of your understanding, he is not talking about your natural eyes. He is talking about your spiritual eyes. How many know when you were born, you had two eyes, right? And most of us don't know this. Dr. White would know this, but your eyes are not fully developed in your mother's womb. Your eyes don't get fully developed until about six to nine months after you're born. For the first six to nine months of your life, your baby, I know you want them to think they're smiling when they see you, but really what they're smiling at is the voice they hear when you talk to them. Because when they see you for the first several months, they don't see definition. They see shapes and shadows. It's not until they're about six to nine months old that a baby actually begins to see clearly. I can see clearly now. Come on, somebody. Uh -huh. And what you, and what you, I got I to I keep y'all connected here. And, and what you got to understand is just like that natural experience when you were born in the natural, when you get born again in the spirit, your spiritual eye comes open just like your natural eye came open when you were born out of your mother's womb. Paul prays for their eyes to come open. Watch this. I pray for God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Why? So that your eyes may come open and be illuminated. And you know what the word illuminated and enlightened means. It means you were standing in the dark, but light came in the room to show you what was available and accessible in the room. He said, I pray that God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus so that your eyes may be enlightened. I don't want you standing in the dark. I want you to know things. And he doesn't stop there. He builds it yet one more step so that Next verse, you may know. All of this about wisdom and revelation is intended to happen so that you may know. Paul prays that their, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come on them so that their eyes be enlightened so that they would know. Why am I making a big deal about this? Because you would be amazed at how many Christians don't know. And what does he want them to know? Three things. I'm going to give them to you quickly. He says, I want you to know. Go back to the previous verse, verse 18. I want you to know what is the hope of his calling. I want you to know what the inheritance of him and the saints is. And I want you to know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. He said, I want to, God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that your eyes may be enlightened. Why? So that you may know. What do you want me to know, Paul? Three things. The hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. I don't have time to do all three of those justice. Let me briefly tell you what I think he's talking about in each situation. Number one, when he says the hope of his calling, I believe what he is talking about, Paul says, I pray that God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that your eyes come open so that you are able to know what God intends for your life in the end. That's the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling, when the Bible talks about hope, it's not like we talk about hope. We're like, oh, I hope I get to go. I hope I get to go somewhere nice this summer. I hope my wife buys me flowers and remembers our anniversary. I hope, I hope. That's not hope from the Bible. Hope from the Bible is an earnest expectation based upon truth. When the Bible said God has a hope for you, watch this. It means that he created you with a purpose on purpose. You are not an accident. I don't care how your mama doesn't even know who your daddy is to this day. Before your mama and daddy met each other at the A&W root beer stand, God knew you and saw you. God knew you had a purpose and God knew you had a plan. Even if you were the accident of a one night stand, you are not an accident. You are here on purpose. Say that. 
And Paul said, I want your eyes to come open so that you can know the hope, the expectation of your future. Why do you need to know that? If you walk through this life and you don't know God's expectation for your future, you will believe the devil when he tells you you don't have a future. And some people lose their life, they end their life, they live with everything, sleep with everything, run to every drug, get away from church, get away from God because they believe the lie of the devil that they don't have a calling. I wanna tell you when God created you, you wouldn't even be here had he not put a purpose and built it into you so that your days on this earth were not a waste, they were actually the fulfillment of a story that God wrote from the beginning. The hope of your calling. Not only the hope of your calling, but he said, I pray your, that you receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Why? So that your eyes can come open. Why? So that you can know. Know what? The riches of the inheritance that is in the saints. Oh, I'm getting ready to say something right here. It ain't in the world. It's in the saints. I didn't say the ain'ts. I said the saints. Do you understand? You want to know what this is? Open your Bible up to Ephesians. Put this scripture up here. Put verse number 13 on the screen. Let me show them what he's talking about. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, watch, you were what? Sealed. Talk to me, family. You were sealed with who? the Holy Spirit of promise, verse 14, which is or who is the guarantee of what? Our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. How many have felt God's Holy Spirit touching your life at any point in this service today? Do you know what that was? A down payment an evidence of a down payment that's been made and one day that down payment that you're experiencing called the Holy Spirit, you're going to experience the fullness of who he is and the fullness of the inheritance of the saints. How many remember layaways? Oh, come on Kmart people, where are my Kmart people at? My mama's over here like, oh my shy. Y'all, we, my mama in, in July would start buying Christmas. Y'all don't know nothing about this. I'm looking at all these millennials now. They're like, what is a layaway? A layaway is when you needed a whole lot more than you had the money to pay for initially. But in order to have it at the right time, you had to take it off the shelf, take it back to the layaway counter. You gave it to the people working the layaway. And mama said, I'm going to put a down payment on it in August, but I'm coming back. I feel like preaching here about Kmart. Mama said, I'm coming back in the December and I'm going to take everything that I put a down payment on. It's mine even though I'm not going to take it with me right now but I already let you know I'm coming back for it. Oh who am I preaching to? When the devil tells you you don't have a future I want you to lift your hands and thank God for the down payment and the down payment is the Holy Ghost and on Monday on my worst day when I don't feel like I've got a future the Holy Ghost rises up in me and reminds me Wallace it don't matter how bad it is right now there is a promise of redemption that is coming and you know you got it because I gave you the down payment on the inside. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Slap somebody and tell them it's already yours. Okay, I gotta go. The Presbyterians are getting nervous. Listen. He said, he said that you, you have to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that your eyes come open so that you may know. What does he want us to know? He wants us to know the hope of his calling. He wants us to know the inheritance of the riches of the saints. And the last thing, he wants us to know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Well, I don't know if I believe like you. It's all right, but don't get mad when my believing caused me to start walking in something that has received the blessing of his power. I feel like preaching here. You better be careful who you judge because they got something from God. You don't understand. They didn't just get it because of their good looks. They didn't get it because of who their mama and their daddy were. They didn't get it because they earned it. They got it because when they felt disqualified from it, they believed against all things and trusted in a God whose promises cannot fail. I'm not blessed today because I earned it. I'm blessed today because I believe he is who he said he is. I need some blessed people in here to holler. I need you to praise God that you know how you got blessed. Slap somebody and tell them I know why I'm blessed. I'm blessed because God is good all the time. I'm blessed because I believed him when the doctor said I couldn't. I'm blessed because the banker said you can't afford it. And God said I told you it belonged to you. We got to go. Watch this. He, He blessed. Watch this. He directed his power towards those who believe. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. I said a rewarder. I'm going to help y'all. Y'all going to get mad at me, but I'm going to tell you the truth about the Bible. God is not a socialist or a communist. I told you I was going to get out. He's talking about politics. Oh, no, I'm talking about principle. The principle is it don't matter what you didn't have when you were born. If you trust God, God will bring you out of a land of not enough and put your feet in a land of more than enough. And he don't do it for everybody. He only does it for those that believe. I'm going to hit that because I feel some resentment in the room on it. But I'm going to tell maybe it's online that I feel it. Wherever I feel it, let me talk to it. I'm going to tell you right now, God is no respect of person, but he is a respect of sacrifice and he is a respect of faith. You cannot be blessed if you don't believe God. I don't care how much you want his pity. He will not feel sorry for you simply because you had a bad life. But what he will do is, I feel the anointing on me here. He will pick your bad life up. If you will believe, he will turn your bad life around. If you keep on trusting him, he'll take your bad life out of the gutter of nothing and bring you into a land of abundance. Slap your
your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I know what he's talking about. I'm a living witness that if you if you will believe God, he will bless your life. Calmly touch two people and tell them, you're blessed. You're blessed. If they get too excited, don't sit by them next Sunday, but tell two more people, you're blessed. You're blessed. Well, how did they get blessed? I'll tell you how they got blessed. They didn't get blessed because they earned it. They got blessed because in the bottom of the barrel of life, they looked up and found the strength of a loving God. And they said, I'll trust you for the rest of my life. I don't have to have a dime in the bank to trust you. And now that you trust him, he's making you the head and not the tail. You're above and you're not beneath. Hey, 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 hey. He, 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 he said, I want your eyes to come open so that you can see the exceeding greatness of his power, which he wrought in Christ Jesus when he raised Jesus. You know what the, the apostle is saying? Jesus was the guinea pig. He was the prototype. If it can work on a dead man's body, it can work on your marriage. If it can work on a dead man's body, it can work in your finances. I don't find no help in here this morning. If it can work on the three-day dead body of Jesus, it can work on your job situation. Some of you are wondering if the power of God can work for you. And in order to determine if it works for you, you gotta run back 2,000 years ago to a hillside uh -uh, in Jerusalem when a man hung between heaven and earth and he gave up the ghost and he died. And they wrapped his body up and put him in a tomb. But three days later, he rose from the dead. If it worked for him, it'll work for your children. It'll work for your grandchildren. It is the same power aimed at you that God aimed it at. When he raised his son from the dead, I'm done. I've crossed my time limit. But the Bible says, he did this. He gave a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He opened your eyes so that you would know. And you would know those three things, namely the hope of his calling, the riches of the inheritance of the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Those three things. But hear me carefully. I'm, I'm closing here in a few minutes or something. I done changed my mind. I done changed my mind. I done got in a mood to do something I wasn't in a mood to do in a few minutes. Watch this, yes, watch this, watch this, watch this. He does not pray, Fitch. He does not pray, God, give him a calling. He does not pray, God, give him an inheritance. He does not even pray, God, give him power. Do you know what he prays? God, let him see that they already got it. I'm getting ready to go to my car, but I came on Sunday morning 
not to pray for God to give you a calling, not for God to give you a revelation of the inheritance, not so that God would give you power, but I prayed that you would know that he already gave it to you, that you already got it. Oh, we gotta go. I know it's buffet time, but I wish you would touch three people and tell somebody in your area code, tell your neighbor you already got it. What you're crying about, you already got it. What you're waiting on, it's already a done deal. What you're expecting has already been provided. God is not about to do anything for you. You are about to have a revelation. It's about to get dangerous in here. God is about to break some people out of religion. God is about to snatch some people out of a land of ignorance. You're not waiting on anything. God is waiting on you to get a revelation that it's already done. Somebody shout yeah. Somebody shout yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch three more people and tell them it's already done. It's already taken care of. You don't have to have me pray for God to do it. All you've got to do is get your eyes open and see that it's all. Watch. I'm done here. Why did you read Exodus? Why didn't it stand with me? I'm through. Why did you read Exodus? Because I wanted to. And I wanted to, to show you that Israel was mightier than they knew they were. Can you put the scripture up on the screen? Exodus 1, I believe it's about verse 5, maybe 6. That ain't it. And neither is that. It said... They were fruitful, increased abundantly, multiplied, grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled. Next verse. And there arose a new king over Egypt who knew not Joseph. This is a loaded statement. But what it's essentially saying is that in previous days, Israel had favor with Egypt because Joseph had a relationship with Pharaoh. That Pharaoh died, and a new one rose up who did not know Joseph. So Israel's favor with Egypt expired. Next verse. And he said to Pharaoh, said, oh, tune me up, Julian. Thank you. He said, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we, the Egyptians, are. Wait a minute. How then, if they are more and mightier than Egypt, how does Egypt keep them in slavery? You ready for this? Through ignorance. Ignorance will make us slaves of people and spirits we actually have authority over. I'm going to say this. What you don't know can hurt you. Well, I love shouting great, but you better get some knowledge to shout on. And let me help you understand something. We don't act like this because we're ignorant. I don't shout because of what I don't know. I shout because of what I do know. Look at the people of the children of Israel. They are more and mightier than we are. 
you might expect, don't, don't roll the next verse yet, but you might expect the next verse to say something. And Israel kicked Egypt's tail. <laughs> that is not what happens. Read the next verse. Next verse. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war, they join our enemies, fight against us, and kick us out of the land. Wait a minute. They are more and mightier than the enemy, and yet the enemy kept them as slaves. And the next verse says, they built, they built the cities of Python and Ramses. How do people who are mightier than Egypt build their kingdom for them? Because the enemy used their ignorance against them. You are more and mightier than the enemy. So why are you miserable and why are we using our resources and strength to build his kingdom? Ignorance is the devil's best friend. If you and I don't know who he is, Jesus Christ, and who we are in him, you can sit in church and watch people shout all your life and not change the trajectory of your life because of ignorance. I feel as anointed right now while I'm talking about this as I did a minute ago when the fire of God was on my neck. Today, ignorance is dying. You ready for this? I'm getting ready to read a eulogy for ignorance. It's dead. It's dead. Somebody said, where is the eulogy found? Ephesians 1. Oh God, I'm getting ready to preach. If nobody helps me, I'm getting ready to preach myself into a Holy Ghost fit right here. Somebody said, what is the eulogy for, the eulogy for ignorance? We're buried, today we came to bury ignorance. We're going to get pallbearers to drag its tail out of the church and we're taking it down the road and we're putting it in a cemetery and we're never going to be victim to ignorance again. Somebody say amen. Well, how are you going to eulogize ignorance? How are you going to bury it? Here it is. Ready? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In, what are you doing? I'm killing ignorance right now. How are you killing ignorance? Because I'm telling you what the Bible says about you instead of you listening to what the devil and ignorance has been telling you. I'm not through with this eulogy yet. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in all things in Christ, both together in things and in heaven, things which are on earth in him. In him we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory in him 
you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In him also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. If you don't know who you are, take your Bible tonight, open it to Ephesians 1, and read the eulogy of ignorance. We are burying it. We will no longer believe a lie that we're hoping one day maybe to come into the blessing. We're blessed and we're not cursed. We're the head and we're not the tail. He chose us. He adopted us. He predestined us. He saved us by his blood. Let the devil worry. Let hell stay up all night long wondering. May your feet hit the floor tomorrow morning and may the joy of the Lord be your strength because of who you are in Christ. So, sorry, Mr. Ignorance. You're not my friend no more. And let me tell you this before I go sit down. When Paul said to pray a spirit of wisdom and revelation come on you, he was saying to us this, it's not just enough to read the Bible. It's not just enough to pray. You need the Holy Ghost to open your eyes so that your studying is fruitful and your prayer time is fruitful. Well, do you always feel like praying, Pastor? Nope. But I keep on praying. And I pray till I want to pray. Y'all missed that. And I read my Bible till I want to read my Bible. Because discipline and devotion leads to breakthrough. I think some people have it in their mind that angels wake Devin and I up. Carry us to the dining room table. Sit us down and open our King James Bible. And an angel puts his finger on the verse of the day for Devin and I. And serenaded there, we sit and drink coffee and tea as the Lord gives us. No, that's not how it works. We don't wake up speaking in tongues. We wake up speaking in some kind of tongues, but it ain't the kind of tongues y'all thinking about. Stress and everything going on in our life. How many know sometimes it's challenging to spend time with God? Here's what I'm praying for you. That every moment you spend with him, his Holy Spirit comes and anoints your spirit with a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That every five minutes you spend in prayer feels like 60 minutes. That every verse you read, he opens it up and expounds to you in depths that your mind could never do on its own. My prayer is that what's on those pages would jump off. Get down in your spirit and you'll leave your Bible study and prayer time. People that get wore out with you too. You walk up to them, let me show you what the Lord showed me today. And they're like, I don't care. Yeah, you do. Sit down and hush. Let me tell you what the Lord told me today. You just got this overflow. How many need that in your life? Lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you. A spirit of wisdom and revelation. Jesus. I am asking you today, Heavenly Father, I pray it in the name of your son, Jesus, that the Holy Ghost would bring a spirit of wisdom and revelation to these people. 
open your mouth and say something to God. I don't care what it, just begin to talk to him. Just begin to talk to him. This is not just me praying, it's you receiving it. I am asking now for a supernatural ability given by the Holy Ghost to make the word of God come to life. Make prayer time come to life. Let revelation begin to be released. I pray that you would break up the monotony. Make prayer time much more enjoyable. Make the word time much more fruitful. Make it much more efficient. Lord, I know that they got schedules and they got appointments and they got jobs and they got kids and they got meals to cook and cars to wash and oil to change. They got all kind of things going on in their life. But I'm I pray I pray for them right now that the Holy Ghost come on them. You begin to reveal things. And I hear the Lord saying it here. There are blueprints coming to your spirit. There is a download of information coming to the minds of people in this room right now. Somebody watching me online, God is about to start sending downloads for you to fix issues. Civil referendum is coming through the body of Christ. You hear what I'm telling you? I said civil referendum is coming to the body of Christ. What does that mean? You and I are about to fix problems in society. We are about to be a solution for the problem that our generation is dealing with. It is not coming out of another program. It is not coming from the left. It is not coming from the right. It is coming from the Holy Ghost. And the only people qualified to have it are those who have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Throw your hands up. Let it fall on them. Let dreams and downloads and strategies, let blueprints. I pray for divine, uh, divine wisdom and revelation. What has been hidden? Come on and pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, God's going to give you a download today. God's going to give you a down, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. I am well aware of the time. It would never waste it, but I got to give you this because the Lord just told me to. Romans chapter 8. Stay standing, I am through. Romans chapter eight. When we don't know how to pray, there is one in us who knows how to pray. Uh-huh. And this is not the Bible, and it's in my, I don't have my glasses. Somebody pray for interpretation to come to the preacher. Yeah, I know where it's at. I can't find 20. There, thank you, Jesus, for that. I just got revelation right then. Hallelujah. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Listen to what Paul says. For we do not know what we should pray for. How many have ever been in that place? I don't know what to pray for. I don't know how to pray for my kids. I don't know how to pray for my family. I don't know how to pray for my finances. I don't know how to pray for this nation. I don't know how to pray for the division in this nation. I don't know how to pray. I've been there. Paul said, I know what you're talking about, Wallace. I've been there. He said, we don't know what we should pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Next verse. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Next verse. And we know. Now wait a minute. Two verses later he said, we don't know. 
two verses, pardon me, two verses previous, he said, we don't know. Two verses later, he said, and we know. What changed? I'll tell you what changed. Go back to verse 27. That's what changed. What? Somebody who does know starts praying for you in tongues you don't know. And when you come out of that place of prayer, the one who does know communicated with you in your spirit things you did not know so that when you come out of a prayer closet, you can say, now we know. I gotta go, but we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. Some of you came in here today and you don't know. You've spent some time with God today who does know. And by the time you get to the car, you're gonna look at your wife and say, now I know. It's going to come just like that. God's going to reveal it to you just like that. A strategy. Somebody throw your hands up and praise him for it right now. Seal it. Seal it. Put it inside of us and seal it. And don't let the devil steal it in the mighty name of Jesus. Now take 20 seconds and shout all over the church. Give God praise. I want you to praise him because you already got it. Praise him because you already got it. Hey family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church, maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I wanna tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now, if you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done, and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to Him, He'll save you right now. I wanna lead you in a prayer. Say, Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the King of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend, I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, and our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything He put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.